0: Good morning, Union Hill. Thank you for joining us again, wherever and whenever you are. Hey, thanks to our design team for the new background and the new haircut. Don't worry, didn't take anything off the top. In early February, I felt led to preach these final few chapters of Acts on the topic of suffering. I wasn't totally sure why, but I knew the Lord was prompting. Certainly, Paul was well accustomed to suffering, as was Jesus himself. I also knew that many within our community are suffering, and perhaps these messages would be encouraging and hope-filled for them. Furthermore, we were heading into the Lenten season, a season of preparation to celebrate Easter. That season is often marked by fasting and lament. You don't get to Easter without passing through Good Friday. The resurrection doesn't come without first the crucifixion, life through death. So I had a a few reasons to spur me on into the stormy waters. Little did I or anyone else know the extent that the coronavirus would change everything in just a few short weeks, bringing us all into a season of suffering, whether extreme or relatively minor, not at all insignificant. Now, as we finish chapter 27, where we've remained the past number of weeks, and we look into chapter 28, the final chapter of the book of Acts, Is there light on the horizon, hope for the hurting, rescue in suffering? Let's look at the final six verses of Acts 27. I hope you have your Bibles opened, or you can navigate there in the Bible app if you're watching this live with us. If you're new to the story, the Apostle Paul and a few of his close friends were in a ship headed toward Rome, along with about 270 others. It was likely the fall of AD 59. And Paul was under arrest, being accused by the Jews of being an insurrectionist. But he had appealed to have his trial before Caesar in Rome. Now, they never should have set sail from Crete. It was too late in the season. But thinking they had fair wind, the Roman centurion and the ship's captain decided to go for it. Well, not long into the journey, they were met by a tempestuous storm that drove them across the Mediterranean Sea for 14 days doing everything within their power to keep the ship from breaking apart or from capsizing, having given up all hope, they came within sight of an island, perhaps their only chance of rescue. That's where we join them in verse 39 of Acts 27. Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. Let's pause right there. Are you not amazed at the poignant and striking metaphor that this entire chapter is to our current cultural moment and so many times of hardship and trial and suffering that do come into our lives? It's why I've chosen to dwell here for the past month or so. We really are enduring a relative storm. Our governor, Jay Inslee, used that language yet again this week in his press conference saying, we're keeping afloat in the storm. Now, to be sure, neither he nor any politician is the voice of wisdom and hope that we need. It's amazing their ability to use so many words to say nothing. I find that convicting as I stand here before you this morning. They're like the captain of the ship, and they've never sailed before. Lord, help us. Yes, Lord, help us and hear us. And he does. And he's given us his word His voice guides us and grounds us. Scripture should be the lens through which we view the world. And furthermore, the author of the letter of Hebrews says, the word of God is living and active. That's Hebrews 4.12. God is always speaking to us through his word. So we should look to it for conviction and for correction, for encouragement and for hope. And through all of these applications, Storms will come at times in our lives. The winds and the waves will be set against us. We may abandon all hope. And potentially even a shipwreck will come where we lose all earthly things that we once held on to for our security. And it may be exactly what we need. It may be through the shipwreck, through times of suffering, that we are saved, delivered, rescued, Back to verse 39, when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. I don't want to minimize the fear and the suffering and the tribulation that these 276 persons went through. Most of us would not trade places with them, but we can at least somewhat relate in times of our own suffering, feeling trapped or confined the ground beneath us uncertain, the journey we had been on completely redirected beyond our control at the mercy of the winds. Our sails and the anchors have proven feeble and useless. We're wondering what tomorrow will bring. Is there light on the horizon? And will we even recognize the land in front of us, uncharted, unvisited? We haven't walked there before, but it looks like it could be okay. A bay with a beach. Is it safe harbor? Can we land there? Can we venture out? Some would say, hoist up the sails and go for it. Others are far more cautious. Is there anything unknown between us and solid ground? Always. Let's continue. Verse 40. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders, then hoisting the foresail to the wind they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable and the stern was being broken apart by the surf. The soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim away and escape. Not only was that reef unseen, but so was the intention of the soldiers. I'm sure there were many of the prisoners crying out in favor of moving forward fast toward the shore not knowing the multiple risks to their very lives. No, this is not a prophetic word for us today. It's a narrative of what really happened, but not of what always happens. It's description, not prescription. We won't force scripture to say what it does not say, but there is still application. All of God's word in our own experience teaches us That our perspective is not to be fully trusted. We only ever see in part. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Our lives are but a mist, James 4, 13 through 15, which I read last week. Look it up if you need that reminder. It's the way we're meant to live our lives, Lord willing. That's where the phrase, the Latin phrase, Deo Volente comes. By the will of God. Trusting fully in the only one who sees all and is in full control. By the way, here is Jesus on that same subject in Matthew 6, 31 and following. Jesus said, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For those who don't believe seek after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, I actually wish Acts 27 were a prophetic word for us today. Even if the shipwreck must come, and even if it will be hard, through the loss of material things, all will be saved. God will pour out his mercy and grace upon everyone, whether they believe in him or not. And many who previously did not believe will. Now we can pray for this to be true in the coming season. Lord, deliver us. Rescue, heal, restore, pour out your love, mercy, provision, protection on all peoples, whether they believe in you or not. But bring many into your family, into trusting, life-giving relationship with you. And would you use us to be proclaimers of hope, of good news? Amen? Just as Paul boldly and faithfully proclaimed when he had opportunity. Remember back in verse 31? Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Now God had promised to him that he would be spared and make it all the way to Rome and preach there too. But that final night he stood before him and said all would be saved if they stayed with the ship if they clung to it all would be spared. It reminds me of the time of Noah. Noah's ark saved all who were on board through the storm. Though the world as they knew it would never be the same. So this ship was the only way. Though the world ahead of them would never look the same. God delivers, he rescues, he saves in unlikely ways. Only eight people climbed aboard the ark. Everyone else mocked. God would save all 276 aboard that ship, but they had to cling to it. Some quite literally had to cling to the broken pieces since they could not swim. God saves the world by entering into it through the womb of a teenage virgin and dying through crucifixion, condemned alongside vile murderers. When Jesus hung on the cross with arms stretched wide, indicating who he was dying for, all, almost everyone there laughed and mocked and disregarded him. I pray everyone will be spared in this current time, but the prophetic word is they won't. And Jesus said in Matthew 24, 36, But concerning that day and that hour that no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. They were all unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day the Lord is coming. Matthew 24, verses 36 and following. Some have said this is like the end times, or clearly is the end times. Jesus is coming back soon. He may be coming soon. But what I do know is we will get back to a semblance of normalcy. Because Jesus himself said it would be like the days of Noah, where people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, all things that have seemed to be on hold right now. But Jesus is coming. And the imagery is he's coming like a storm. Are we on board the ark? Just as in the days of Noah, the door to the ark was wide open for 120 years. Jesus not only invites all in, he calls all in. It is God's desire for all to be saved. The Apostle Paul declared this in 1 Timothy 2, 3. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all. Not only can all be saved, it's God's desire to do so. And yet so many will mock and jeer. The skies are clear, there's no storm to fear. So many others caught in the flood will continue to cling to any fragment or splinter before taking hold of the hand extended to them. This word saved, as I mentioned last week, is the Greek word sozo, and it means more than simply given eternal life. It does mean rescue. It does mean deliverance, but it also means wholeness, healing, restoration, renewal, and more. All the things that are we not longing for for our families, our community, our church, our country, and ultimately the world but take heart. That is God's desire too. And this is the very reason that Jesus came to bring this kind of saving to all peoples. He said in Luke 19.10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Now, most lost people tend to bristle at this. What do you mean lost? I'm not lost. By lost, I mean uncertain at best that the path you are on, the direction you've set for your life is absolutely the right way. It will bring you everything you're hoping for, fulfillment, satisfaction, joy, peace, rest. Most of us don't like to admit when we're lost. We wanna have it all together to be in complete control. No, I'm not lost. I have no anxiety, fear, Stress. My days aren't filled with hurry, ambition, overextending, never feeling like I can do it all. When you consider the past number of your years, do you see your journey littered with hobbies and passions never finished? Career changes, broken relationships, multiple churches, perhaps, multiple neighborhoods or cities moving and moving and moving. And if we're honest, we know that we're responsible for much of that. But there's other times where we truly are driven along, completely at the mercy of the winds. Our sails and our anchors have been feeble and useless. Yes, that's what I mean by lost. And I believe that's what Jesus meant. And he came to rescue us from that, that sense of lostness, to heal sickness, to be the answer to the striving, the rest for the weary, the light in the darkness, both the way of life and the destination. Take his hand and follow his lead. How do we do that? By faith alone. By trusting the promises of God. Some will say, I don't know if I can. I don't have that kind of faith. Certainly not the faith that others seem to have. And it is true. Faith does grow over time. Sometimes slowly, sometimes painstakingly. But sometimes, like when God delivers through storms, it grows up fast. Consider Paul. How did his faith become so strong? Well, by now we know he was shipwrecked three times already. He certainly knew how to swim, right? I mean, if he didn't know how to swim and he somehow survived that first shipwreck, I'm assuming he learned. He was a smart guy at least after the second. But his faith wasn't in his ability to swim, but it was in God's promises alone. And God had promised to deliver him and everyone in the ship, though the ship would be destroyed. Let's consider for a moment, though the the word doesn't tell us this, the moment where that ship was being broken apart and everyone was jumping overboard to try to scramble through the waves and the surf to land. I can see Paul lingering back, treading water or hanging onto a board right alongside those soldiers or those prisoners who couldn't swim and had to cling to whatever plank or piece of ship they could find. This is verses 33 and 34. The centurion ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and to make for land, but the rest on planks or pieces of the ship. But so it was that all were brought safely to land. I think it likely that Paul was right there in the surf with those who feared they were going to drown. Now, Paul had full assurance that God would save them. It didn't mean they wouldn't be bruised or beaten or swallowed a fair share of seawater. But he could ride the waves on a plank of wood in relative calm. Imagine the panic and the concern of the others who didn't have that faith or that word of the Lord, struggling to keep their head afloat, clinging to a board, maybe slicing and splintering their hands, fearing that if they went under or lost their grip, that would be it. Consider the difference in emotion and demeanor between the one with strong faith and the one with almost none. Paul says to those men, trust me, trust my God. He promised that we would all be saved. And that response, I don't know, Paul. I want to believe you, but the waves look bad. The reef looks rough and I can't swim. Who was saved that day? Everyone. Our salvation is not dependent on our ability to swim or on any other ability or strength. Our salvation is not even dependent on the amount of our faith. Whether we have lots or only a little, our salvation is solely dependent on the one who promises to rescue. Do you have even a shred of faith, a mustard seed? That's all it takes. The sails are torn. There are no more anchors. The ship is sinking. Look to Jesus, the one who made the winds and the waves and walked upon them. He alone can save. He alone delivers, rescues, heals. As he does, as he brings rest to the weary, healing to the sick, light to those in darkness, Hope to the hopeless, joy to the sorrowful, peace to the anxious. As he brings all of these things, our faith grows because he is faithful to his promise. Take his hand and follow his lead. Cling to him and him alone. The land ahead may be unrecognizable. Good. God has something new in store. Following Jesus with growing faith is worth every second of the storm. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being the God of the storm and the God who calms the storm. The God who allows the shipwreck to come and yet the God who saves. Let us run to you and would you draw many to yourself, everyone here who is listening and hearing, would it be your word they are hearing, your call to them, for it is your desire that they would be adopted into your family. And it is your desire to grow the small faith of all, to be firm and rooted deeply, abiding in you and you alone. We long for your healing, your rest, your peace, your hope, and your freedom. And we look to you in these times as we begin to see light on the horizon. We pray we would never be the same again. Take us into new places, Lord. But every step with you, we pray. All for your glory and for our joy, we pray in the name of Jesus, our King, our Savior, our Rescuer, Amen. Amen. Respond to God's word, to his promises. Sing praises to him with us. Share in communion if you are able. Give generously as you are led. Live courageously. Love you. Miss you. See you soon.